0: And then he says this, Chambers says, the one thing that keeps the conscience sensitive to him is the continual habit of being open to God on the inside. When there is any debate, quit. If you start thinking, well, why, why, why shouldn't I do this? You are on the wrong track. There is no debate possible when conscience speaks. Welcome to the Kingdom Life Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Nilsen, speaker, author, and yes, life coach. We live in a noisy world with a million external influences vying for our attention. This is the space where we can quiet the noise, sort out our thoughts through honest conversation, and discover what it looks like to take aligned, faith-filled action in a world of endless possibilities. The age-old question is on the table. Does God speak to His people? And if He does speak to His people, what does His voice sound like? And how in the world do you know if it's His voice or your voice that you are hearing? Listen, you are not alone if you have ever thought this or struggled with this. And I am here to give you an opportunity to dive into this topic for yourself, to hone your skill of hearing God's voice and really having meaningful encounters with Him. Many of you are familiar with the Untangled Faith book and journal that recently came out, and I am here to tell you that I have now published the Untangled Faith book study guide. So if you are looking for a meaningful book study, consider going to untangled tangledfaithstudy.com to learn all about this 10-week experience. Imagine what it would feel like to have a meaningful encounter with God, to hear His voice, to gain His perspective of wisdom for your life. If you feel overwhelmed by all of the noise in the world, the opinions coming at you from every side, then this 10-week experience is for you. If you invite your friends to do this, this is what you will experience. You will explore how to untangle the thoughts that are keeping you stuck, anxious, confused. You will discover what God's voice actually sounds like, know how to hear Him. You will learn the transformational art of honestly communicating with God, to laying it all on the table so that you can receive kingdom, wisdom, truth, and love. He wants to send this your way, and you will be deeply equipped to converse with Him, to receive from Him through the beautiful spiritual discipline of beautiful exchange journaling. So head to UntangledFaithStudy.com to learn all about this 10-week experience that includes reading suggestions, and breakdown of chapters and weeks, small group discussion questions so you don't have to come up with all this stuff yourself, and the ability to practice with your friends and process what you are hearing from the Lord. I cannot wait to hear about the testimonies coming my way. So head to UntangledFaithStudy.com to find your guide today. Hello and welcome back to the Kingdom Life Coaching Podcast. I am your host, as always, Megan Nielsen, and I am just delighted, honored, humbled that you would be here with me listening to this show. I am so encouraged to hear from you all. When you listen to an episode that blesses you, challenges you, inspires you, I often get messages. And today I got a text from about last week's episode. So last week we were talking about what does it look like to to know that it's time to release something, a mantle, um, an assignment that God gave you for a certain period of time, but you are no longer able to do this. We talked about what that looked like in Moses's life and how he released it and blessed Joshua to pick up the mantle and move along. And I got this text this morning from, From a friend that said, hey, Megan, thank you so much. Your latest podcast episode deeply blessed me because I have been walking through this period of leaving a specific ministry that he's been involved with for a year. And he says, the words centered on Moses and Joshua really are encouraging me into the new life God has for me. And his daily prayer is this. Isn't this so beautiful? It's from Psalm 143, verse 8. This is his daily prayer. And I, I want to give this to you as a gift because I believe that it would be a beautiful prayer for you to incorporate into your days as well. Psalm 143, 8 says, let the dawn bring news of your faithful love for I place my trust in you. Show me the road I must travel for you to relieve my heart. And that is from the Jerusalem Bible with which I have to say, I am not familiar with that translation, but it really is beautiful when we're asking God to show us the road. We know that his mercies are new every morning. He brings the dawn and we just want him to illuminate the next step on our journey, relieve our heart and bring comfort. And so it's a blessing. And I'm praying for this gentleman who sent this message that God would continue to to guide you and comfort you and encourage you as you release this thing and walk into the next. So as always, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on social media at Megan underscore Nielsen on Instagram or I'm on LinkedIn, you know, alignable. That's my new favorite platform is alignable. So if you're listening to this and you happen to have a business, you're a business owner, you're in that space, seek me out on Alignable. I have been having some fun, fun conversations over there, networking with people, and I would love to connect with you too, see what kind of business God has you building, what kind of questions you have, how I can support you, etc. So anyway, thanks for that. And today we are going to dive into Acts chapter 24. And we're gonna specifically focus in on the idea of having a clear conscience. I know I sound like Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket is here to talk to Pinocchio about having a clear conscience. No, this is not a behavior modification episode. So please you don't have to turn it off just yet and go running for the hills. I was struck by something that Paul said in his defense to Felix in. Acts chapter 24. And I just want to tee it up for you and see what you think as well. So in Acts chapter 24, now there's many times that Paul, our friend, the apostle Paul, has to defend himself. He spends time in prison and there's just a lot of encounters with governors and people that he needs to defend himself with, with here. And Acts 24 is no different. So I'm going to be reading from the voice translation, which is one of the ones I love to kind of get it out of our head and into our heart to receive what God has to say. And then I'm going to dive into some of those real convicting and challenging words of Oswald Chambers because, man, he makes me think. So if he makes me think, I'm just going to like, you know. Throw, kick the can down the road, and I'm going to make you think as well, and we can wrestle this out together. But Acts 24 starts like this, and I'm reading out of the voice translation. It says, The high priest Ananias came north to Caesarea five days later, accompanied by some elders and an attorney named Tertullus. Tertullus? I don't know. I can never say those lawyers' names. Anyway, they explained their case to Felix without Paul present. So Paul is not there, and they're kind of talking behind the scenes. When Paul was brought in, Tertullus launched into an accusation. So you can imagine the courtroom, right? You can imagine Tertullus putting his glasses on, kind of straightening his tie, and pulling down his jacket, and he says, most excellent, Felix. Through your esteemed leadership, we have enjoyed a long and happy peace. So he is really laying it on thick, isn't he? He says, your foresight in governance has brought many reforms for the people I represent. We always and everywhere welcome every thought of you with high and deep gratitude. Here we go. He's got, he's got his lawyer hat on for sure. Verse four, but knowing how busy you are and how limited your time must be, I beg you to hear us briefly present our case to you with the legendary graciousness for which you are known everywhere. Oh my gosh, I can't even read this with a straight face, but you're feeling it, right? We're like in a John Grisham courtroom scene right now. So verse five, here are the facts. This man, he's speaking of Paul is a disease to the pod- the body politic. He agitates trouble in Jewish communities throughout our empire as a ringleader of the heretical sect known as the Nazarenes. He even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. Our aim was to try him by the Jewish law, but commandant Lysias interfered and removed this man from our control because of his meddling you are now forced to hear those making the accusation so he's saying listen we tried to do this another way and keep you out of this sticky mess but because they interfered and they messed it all up now we are forcing you to come in and make a decision and try this case Tertullus says, you will find through your own examination that everything we say of Paul is true. Verse 9, the Jewish opponents present, present, excuse me, the Jewish opponents present added their vigorous testimony in support of the lawyer's opening statement. So there's a hustle and bustle in this courtroom. Those that are opposing Paul are just laying it on. Yes and amen. They've got their support of this lawyer's statement. The governor didn't say anything. So he motions for Paul to speak. So he's listening. He's taking it all in. He probably can feel the vibe, right? That uh, that the lawyer is bringing. And Paul says this, he says, I am happy now to make my defense to you, sir, knowing that you have been a judge over this nation for many years. So Paul is also bringing honor and respect to the courtroom. Verse 11, he says, just 12 days ago, I went up to Jerusalem to worship as you can easily verify. So he's saying, I was there. I'm not arguing with that. He says, I wasn't arguing with anyone in the temple. I wasn't stirring up a crowd in any of the synagogues. I wasn't disturbing the peace of the city in any way. They did not find me doing these things in Jerusalem, nor can they prove that I have done any of these things of which they have accused me, but I can make this confession. So Paul is taking a moment here to say, listen, everything that they're saying is true. I was there. I was there. That is true, but I wasn't arguing. I wasn't disturbing the peace. you You don't have any religious or political or legal ramifications against me. But this thing I can tell you, this is the confession that I have to make. He says, I believe everything established by the law and written in the prophets. And I worship the God of our ancestors according to the way, capital W-A-Y, which they call a heretical sect. Verse 15, he says, here is my crime. So he's saying, if there's anything that you have against me, anything that is true to the core of who I am and what I believe and what you can fire away right here, he says, here's my crime. I have a hope in God that there will be a resurrection of both the just and unjust, which my opponents also share. So he's saying, I believe in this same God of justice that they believe in because of this hope. I always do my best to live with a clear conscience toward God and all people. And that's the verse that really hit me in a special way this week. He says, because of the hope that I have in God, in Christ, I always do my best to live with a clear conscience toward God and all people. And in some other translations, it might go like this. It might say a conscience. I try to live with a conscience void of offense toward God and man. Or in the NIV, it says, I strive to always keep my conscience clear before God and man. And the word conscience means this moral, dark and light, good and bad. What does it look like to walk in the straight and narrow way of God that says, this is light, This is good. This is kingdom of heaven thinking and behavior and actions. Walk in that way versus an unclear conscience, which would be dabbling in dark things, things that are not of God, things that are not bringing about the fruit of the spirit, things that are bad. What does that look like? And so Paul is saying, listen, I want to live with a clear conscience. I don't want to live burdened by offense toward God because I'm mad at him. I'm bitter. I'm asking questions about why this and why that and God, how could you possibly? So he does not want to tip into that tricky territory. And he also wants to walk in a conscience that's void of offense toward men. So if he's holding any grudges or bitterness toward another human being, He is saying the clear conscience route would be to reconcile or to forgive or to have any honest conversation in order to move forward. And when I was reading about this and Oswald Chambers' perspective on this, it's actually the May 13th offering in My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald says this, he said, conscience is that faculty in me which attaches itself to the highest that I know. And tells me what the highest that I know demands that I do. So this is just a fancy way of saying our, the Holy Spirit brings about kingdom consciousness. And that is this faculty, this sensitivity that attaches itself to the highest, which is the kingdom perspective. He says, it is the eye of the soul, which looks out either towards God or towards what, is regard, what it regards as the highest. And therefore, conscience records differently in different people, which I find really fascinating. How can some of us have a conscience that says, hey, I think this is right, so I'm going to go this way. And other people say, well, my conscience says this is right, and I should go this way. What is that about? Our soul can be so tricky and it can be so subjective. So I don't understand this. So Chambers continues this. He says, if I am in the habit of steadily facing myself with God, my conscience will always introduce God's perfect law and indicate what I should do. And I'm just, I'm getting super meta here if you want to use that word, but I'm drilling down into this word conscience. What is Paul actually saying? Because if our conscience is attached to our flesh, it is quite possible that it will be steering us down the wrong path. It will be tricking us and deceiving us because that's what our flesh does naturally. But if our conscience is attached to God's perfect law, to, to what Jesus says, how Jesus lived, what the fruit of the Spirit bring then this will guide us into what we should do. So the first question to consider is where is your conscience? To what is it attached? This part of your soul that is the deepest, truest part of yourself, is your conscience attached to your flesh, which we have already in other episodes and through biblical study, realize the flesh brings death. But if your conscience is attached to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit of God, it will bring life. It will bring light. It will align and be congruent with Scripture and the character of Christ, Jesus, and God himself. The point is, after this, will will you obey? Oswald Chambers says, I should be living in such perfect sympathy with God's Son, Jesus, that in every circumstance, the spirit of my mind is renewed and i can make out at once what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god the only thing i know to tell you right now is to continue to to focus your eyes on jesus when things start to get cloudy and confusing and just maybe it's a little of this maybe it's a little of that that's a slippery slope so immediately say okay my conscience is unclear it is not focused on christ Lord Jesus, forgive me. He is quick to forgive and he forgives our sins. As far as the East is from the West, we no longer need to carry that, but we renew our minds. We come back to what is good and perfect and the will of God. And then he says this, Chambers says, the one thing that keeps the conscience sensitive to him is the continual habit of being open to God on the inside. When there is any debate, quit. Quit if you start thinking well why 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 shouldn't i do this you are on the wrong track there is no debate possible when conscience speaks so in other words this is what i'm sensing and feeling and hearing in this in this idea of having a conscience that is clear that is void of offense to god and man the question for you as you kind of navigate this tricky territory of thinking and behaving at times, it can be super tricky because our flesh is trying to get us to do all kinds of things, tempting, tempting, tempting here and there is not necessarily to say, why shouldn't I do this? I mean, is it really that bad? Is it really contrary to God's laws and kingdom? Like, I mean, what's, what's the harm? I'm gathering that the kingdom perspective, the better question to ask is why should I do this? So when you find yourself in a space, either relationally or morally or mentally, emotionally, whatever you want to call it, I don't know what you are dealing with today. I don't know where your mind goes in those dark moments, or you might not even think they're dark moments. It's just where your mind goes. What if you tried this? What if instead of saying, well, why shouldn't I do this? What if you switch the question, flip the script and say, why should I do this? God, confirm in my spirit why I should do this, why I should make this choice, why I should say yes to this commitment, this project, this job, this relationship. What could it look like? For us to walk in a clear conscience, knowing that every step of the way that God is confirming that's a yes, that's a yes. Why should you do this? God is saying you should do this because it leads you into your divine destiny. It leads you into a greater abundance of life, which is exactly what Jesus promised when he came to this earth. It brings about good and perfect gifts. It brings about you walking by the Spirit, living and moving and having your being in me. It is connecting you to God. God, it is connecting you to other people. Why should I do this? Because you saying yes to this, whatever that thing is, the way that you spend your time, your money, your resources, your relationships, the way you spend what God has given you, if it brings him glory, brings you closer to other people, helps you to love and honor God and people, why should you do this? It's a yes because it brings you closer to God and others. So I guess that's my challenge for you and for me today. Instead of saying, I mean, why why shouldn't I do this? Come on, is it really that bad? How about you take the opposite approach and you say, okay, God, why should I do this? And see where he leads from there. Hey, it's exciting to me. I would love to hear from you as always. And if you are wanting to hear his voice in a cleaner, clearer way in the beautiful practice of beautiful exchange journaling, then head to untangledfaithstudy.com. Grab your curriculum guide, your study guide, grab your friends, a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, however you do that. And I can't wait to hear what he shows you as you continually and honestly seek his face and follow him. So I love you guys reach out whenever possible. And I want to let you know that coming soon is going to be an episode in which I am guiding you through the beautiful exchange journaling. So instead of doing it on your own, you will have a guided podcast episode and track to do that. So coming soon, stay tuned. I keep listening to the podcast. All right. Love you guys. thank you so much for listening. If this episode challenged or inspired you, I would be honored if you would rate it and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts so others can hang out with us too. If you'd like to connect at a deeper level, you can find me on Instagram at Megan underscore nilsen, or head to my website, meganbnilsen.com and schedule a free curiosity and connection call. Let's keep the conversation going.